Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, Shannon. Yeah. Hi. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good now that I have this technology figured out. <laughs> yes, it can be a beast. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, I've been following you for quite some time. Thank you. Um, let me start off by welcoming everybody to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast, where amazing things happen, even technical problems. Um, today's guest is your language um, Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist.com. She is a fellow language learner, musician, full-time parent, traveler, um, and she blogs on her site about food and traveling and music and languages, and I want to welcome her to the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you again. For coming. Um, could you? Tell my listeners, sorry, <laughs> for people who don't know who you are, um, um, about yourself. Sure, of course. Um, so my name is Shannon Kennedy. I live in Southern California. As Chanel said, I run a blog called Eurolinguist. And um, I got started with languages really when I was doing my master's degree. It was when I discovered that I really had a passion for learning new languages. And, you know, it's, I've just been as involved in it as I can uh, since that's happened. So I do a lot of really ex- fun things. Um, I'm the community manager of the Fluent in Three Months Add One Challenge. I run a conference along with Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages and Kirsten Cable of Fluent Language. Um, it's a conference called Women in Language, and that happens every year. And I'm also the resident polyglot over at Drops, which is a language learning app. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'm just curious, like, how long have you been um, learning languages since you were young? Did it happen in adolescence or adulthood? So really when I got into it, it, I would have been an adult. It was when I was doing my master's degree. So I would have been in my early 20s. Okay. Did you have any like heritage languages or did you, were you just like me and monolingual? I was pretty much monolingual. Um, I had some exposure to French and Spanish when I was younger, but I didn't really take them seriously until much later. Um, and, um, you know, I heard lots of stories about my grandfather who was Croatian, but uh, he didn't pass that language down to us. So it was something that I learned later as well. Okay. Um, okay. So since I've been following you, evidently I follow everything. So I followed when you had your baby, little linguist, and was talking about how you uh, wanted to race him um, multilingual or bilingual at least and I was just curious um how how is that going like are you primarily speaking English or Chinese with him or French with him or 
So I primarily speak Chinese with him. Um, his father primarily speaks French with him, and my parents speak English with him. So he gets pretty even exposure to all three languages. Oh, that's awesome. That's like totally cool. Now, I mean, is it difficult to, you know, um, raise a child uh, multilingual? Or do you like play games with him? You know, um, I would definitely say that it's not easy, especially because Chinese isn't my native language. So sometimes I want to slip back into English. And when we're around other people, um, you know, I have to switch to uh, Chinese or I'm sorry, French or English, you know, to be a part of the conversation and not make anyone else feel isolated. But when I do talk to him, even in front of other people, I still try to use Chinese. But sometimes it's just hard to be consistent. So it's something that I have to be very conscious of all the time. But um, playing is definitely a really good way to get your child to, um, you know, pay attention to a new language and to want to use that new language. Because anytime you're engaging with them, or they're doing play, or there's something that's interactive, they're much they're going, they're much more interested in whatever it is that you're doing and in the language you might be using. So I definitely think that play is a really good way to get your child to um, do something in a new language. Oh, well, that's awesome because I remember um, I was listening to a couple of Chris Brock and uh, actual fluency um, podcasts. And that was a topic that was brought up a lot about um, children and if you get married to someone that speaks another language other than English how do you raise your child and is it healthy or should you wait until they go to school and so I was just curious because I I don't know very many people in my circle of friends who you know speaks more than like two languages at a time with their parents so curious to know how that dynamic works with with little linguists um Um, yeah well it's definitely something that you need to talk to other people about you know so they understand what you're doing and that they can support you because if you just kind of surprise them with it they don't really know to expect so um you know when i switch to chinese and i'm talking with my son uh they know that I'm not trying to cut them out of the conversation. They know that the reason that I'm doing that is to give him that support that he needs in that language. Uh, But I I would have to say that, you know, I don't have very many people in my immediate circle that are doing this either. So it definitely is something that, you know, you kind of have to look to the online community or to a wider community to find the support that you need and, you know, to kind of compare notes with other people who are doing the same thing. Right. I know that there was, I forgot whose podcast I was listening to. I, I follow quite a few polyglots in the community. And um, one of them had stated that they were introducing, because they came over from, I believe, China or Japan. And they, I think they were, yeah, Japan. And they were speaking English, French, and Japanese. And they lived in Canada. And it was quite amazing to hear their story about how they were able to learn the languages that they learned, you know, growing up. And then trying to incorporate those languages into their kids. 
I found that to be so fascinating because I know um, me being African-American and visually impaired, I, the only two languages I was, or maybe possibly three that I was ever introduced to was English, American Sign Language, and Spanish. I had a Puerto Rican, um, half Puerto Rican, half black godmother at one point. And so I was introduced to Spanish at a young age, but I didn't really study it per se until I was about 23 years old and I had started college later. So I was fluent in English and American Sign Language um, because I went to school um, where there were deaf kids. And so a friend of mine was taking um, sign language and she was like seven years older than me. And so she taught me American Sign Language, which I still remember some of it. You know, it's dormant in the back of my head somewhere. So I could actually still have a basic conversation in ASL. But I'm not what I would consider fluent anymore. It's been over 30 years. But aside from that, um, I mostly spoke English um, all the time. But languages were something that I always wanted to study ever since I was like a teenager and particularly Russian and French but, <laughs> but uh, well that was because I grew up in the 80s and the 90s I was born in 77 so I was introduced to Spanish but you know there was still French there and then of course the Soviet Union collapsing and all that and the Berlin Wall coming up I, I wanted to learn those languages because I have a big history about so that was something that I always had in the back of my head. Chanel needs to learn these languages at some point. And it wasn't until much later, after college, that I went into, okay, let's see. I'll see if I can learn Russian, which I did. And I became quite proficient in it. Speaking, of course, my writing is to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to say that um, this is a very interesting group of people I find because um, you have so many people from all over the world and you think you're the only one that likes languages or film or you know especially your own little small community and I know in the African American community um, here in, in, in Cleveland, where I'm originally from, there's not a lot of people that I know that speak other languages. As a matter of fact, I'm the only one in my family, literally, that speaks anything other than English. And so I'm the odd one out. <laughs> you could <see. laughs> But um, yeah, I have to say that as someone that is starting out, like as far as podcasting, I said, I, I want to get people, especially women, um, polyglots, because I see that the, the polyglot community is dominated by a lot of men. And they're all good in their own right, but I don't, I mean, I see you, I see Lindsay, I see Kirsten, I see Judith Meyer and Lydia, but I don't really see a lot of women. Um, that much. 
Yeah, I think that's part of, you know, the reason why Kirsten, Lindsay, and I wanted to create Women in Language. We wanted to create a platform where, you know, it's not because that the women aren't there. There's lots of women in the polyglot community, but I think they don't have um, the the same as some of the other people in the community. And so that's why we created Women in Language is to give them a platform where they could share their voice and they can share what they're doing. They can share their research and their experience. So that was some of the idea behind that. Yeah, I I actually wanted to partake in that time. I I couldn't afford to do it. But I did follow what was going on. And I was like, I have to interview Shannon and Lindsay and um, Kirsten. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be interviewing the both of them on Monday together oh that's exciting so um yeah because i i find you guys to be like really cool like you guys seem like down to earth i mean (laughs) thank you i i I, i'm a people person so i enjoy meeting different people getting different ideas like i read your your blog all the time especially when it comes to food (laughs) because i love to cook so I know, I see all your videos and updates all the time. I made fudge yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's cool. But I, I don't do sweets so much, but I, I definitely appreciate people who have a talent for that. I, well, it was 12 years ago. I didn't know how to cook or <laughs> do cents on the dollar, really. I mean, I was doing the college thing where you went and got tater tarts and you got pierogies, and I was burning stuff and. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Now, now I've gotten better. Uh, that's good. I've gotten older. Um, I actually made borscht this weekend. Oh, that's exciting. So um, I don't make it with beef anymore because I cut back on beef. I, I mostly eat it um, with um, chicken. And um, my Russian friends are like, Chanel, you need to make bellini. I'm like, I tried that already. I forgot to sift the flour and it, the, the gel became really thick when I made it. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was supposed to put inside of the, um, <laughs> the actual um, dough itself. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had it. I've had bellini one time. And uh, a friend of mine, when I first moved to Akron three years ago, they knew I was learning Russian, and they knew I liked, you know, uh, all things Russian. Mm. And so they took me to this festival as a surprise, gave me 20 bucks, and told me to go and do whatever I wanted. So I decided I wanted to speak some Russian. So I started speaking Russian. Why was it there was nobody in that whole place that spoke a lick of Russian? They were all second-generation Russian. <laughs> it didn't speak one ounce of Russia. I was like, oh, that's, that's bad. And this is like after seven months of starting to learn it. And, um, but yes, I, um, for the most part, now I'm, I'm doing French, as you can see. And I'm picking up Norwegian as well. That's um, impressive. Um, I, I, have to ho- I have a hookup with um, a friend of mine that works for the customer service department of um, innovative language learning. And so whenever I want to try on a new language, she gives me a year of the whole course for free. So she gave me a whole year of Norwegian. And so I said, um, I, I, 
I'm not like Lydia where I want to take two years per language. It depends on the language to, to master it to like, you know, C2 level. I, my idea is if I'm going to learn something, it, I have to be in that language. So in hindsight, I believe in like getting to at least a low intermediate level, like a B1. So I won't forget it mm-hmm. because I learn everything by audio. And so, because I can't read large print anymore. So I, everything is audio. Complete comprehensible input. And because um, I'm visually impaired, I'm not completely blind. So I, I can still see like the bigger picture. Like I, I can watch movies, but I can't read the subtitles on the screen because they're too small. But with voiceover, because mm. I watch everything on my Apple TV, now voiceover can read subtitles in every language. So now I'm in, like, language heaven. I actually watched Leviathan and Love Voice, which is lovely. Um, with English subtitles a couple weeks ago, because I was watching it in nothing but Russian. Well, no subtitles. And I, I I had more of an appreciation for, for the filmmaker, Andre Zajinov. And as a result of that, um, I, I'm going to watch um, The Banishment and Return this week from the library. And um, I studied film and theater in college. So I'm really big on like the art, history, politics. Um, and I guess my process for learning Pretty much, I mean, yes, writing is great. I do believe in that to some extent, but I don't want to write a dissertation to someone when I'm when I'm having a, a conversation with them in a particular language. I want to be able to verbally communicate and be able to understand what they are saying to me in that particular language because evidently I can't reach your facial expression. So I'm going to go by your voice, how you feel. <laughs> if I walk in a room with a whole bunch of polyglots, I can tell what the, the mood of the room is just based off of how people are sounding. And, um, you know, it could be a lively group of people. So there could be some tension, you know. But I want to be able to have a decent conversation where it's beyond the weather and beyond... Um, where are you from and what do you do for a living and if you have a family or not? Because those are the basic questions people ask you. And once you get over that, you find yourself, okay, what else do you have in common? You know, food. I, my pet, my rules, I guess, when I have a conversation. Um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't talk about hot topics like you know LGBT issues because there are some people that are not tolerant of that particular subject matter religion or politics mainly because depending on where you come from um, I kind of leave that alone I don't even mention it you know I'll let the other person, if they want to mention it, something like I'll agree to disagree. 
because I'm there for a conversation, not for a political debate um, in the language. So I'm just curious, like, do you ever, like, as a learner yourself, um, like, have difficulties having conversations on the phone with people, if, especially if your language skills are just maybe at, like, an A2 going into a B1 level? Um, I try to do what I can to uh, go into a conversation prepared and, and with direction to avoid that. I mean, you can't always right. avoid it. But, um, you know, if I'm going to meet with an exchange partner or a tutor in advance, I would kind of have an idea of what we're going to work on during that lesson. Right. So or during that chat. And then I do my best to prepare for it in whatever direction the conversation right. might go in. Or I might ask more questions to kind of direct where the conversation goes a bit more so that that way it doesn't go into territory where I'm uncomfortable. But then also one of the other things that I think is really important to do is, is to prepare for when a conversation does go into a right. direction that you're not prepared for, um, knowing how to say things like, oh, sorry, I'm not familiar with that topic. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand. That's a, There's a lot of words here that I don't know. Um, or like, what does this word mean? Or what is this word in X language? Or what is this word in English? Um, you know, and just kind of trying to do what you can to mitigate right. some of that. So it, it, it obviously you can't prepare for every situation, but you can prepare how you're going to navigate for any situation um, by letting the other person know that you're in a topic that you're not comfortable with or that you're not familiar with or that you just don't understand. I've had conversations with people, just like, for instance, I'll use Brazil as the country of choice where I've had some interesting conversations. And someone has said, I'm fluent in English. Really? Okay, let me test this out. So I called the person on the phone. And I introduced myself. They were not fluent at all. They could barely understand what I was saying. And I wasn't even using big words. So I said to them, I said, do you understand that your, your speech is at an A1? But I'm at a B2. Well, no, you're not at a B2. Because you wouldn't be making as many mistakes if you were at a B2, and you would be able to understand just the simplest of words that I'm using. So he had to admit he wasn't verbally at a B2. He might be able to read. Even his writing had holes. A lot of them. And because I, I'm certified to teach English as a foreign language, so I'm I'm sitting there looking at this grammatically, you know, written wise, verbally, and I'm like, okay, I gave him some really good advice. I said I will work with you on two conditions: you put some real work into listening more to television in English. You're near the United States. You might need. You might as well need to learn American English while you're at it. Um, American soap operas or American TV shows or 
of podcasts where you hear people speak, videos, music, what whatever music you like. Something that interests you. Okay. But you you have to practice speaking more. And he was like, Well, you're right. I really don't have the opportunity to do that. And as soon as we got off the phone, guess what he did? He went up and threw a video on in Portuguese. So I said, okay. So I emailed him back and said, okay, well, you're serious about wanting my help professionally? Give me a, drop me a message. (laughs) Because you have to be motivated to want to really learn. You know, you can't just ask someone to help you. And you're not willing to help yourself. I can, I can, I can give you advice, and I don't mind giving you advice, but I'm not going to teach you English. Not, especially if you're not dedicated to want to learn or listen, because he was like 18. So I said, okay, you're young, you have time to learn. But yeah, he. He, he thanked me, and he, he told me, he said, do you know when you put up these videos in English, I learn more? I was like, good, I'll put some more up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. <laughs> but you, you have to be, you have to want to be motivated. I mean, a lot of people say they're fluent in English, and when you have a conversation, I don't like to be rude at all. But I want to be honest, like, you do understand, like, that's not fluent. If you cannot understand me, and I'm not using big words that are like textbook or medicine or scientific vocabulary, guess what? Um, this is bad. Yeah. And, um, but he is, he is willing to, to learn. I believe that. When? I don't know. Because <laughs> we haven't worked together in a while. And I, I haven't, I've seen him toss up stuff in Portuguese. Well, your Portuguese is good. Uh, I only studied it for six months. Just to see if I liked it. Um, oh, speaking of that. Do you find that when you're learning a language that's similar to certain languages and certain language families, that your the, the language that you're learning kind of bleeds into the other languages that you already know. So when you start speaking, it kind of kind of gets them confused a little bit. Um, language interference is is pretty normal. I think it happens with languages when they're similar and even when they're not similar. Um, uh, and I do think that you know some bleed is definitely inevitable it's something that's going to happen the when you learn several languages right and when you have really similar languages like perhaps spanish and italian uh, interference is, is probably going to happen a little bit more because of those sim- similarities um but your brain does eventually sort it all out especially if you deliberately work on on separating them out um i like to do a lot of side by side study so when i'm learning like croatian Croatian or Russian when I'm studying the two I actually have a notebook where I have columns where I take my notes in both of the languages so that way 
I can say, okay, this is what this is in Russian, and this is what this is in Croatian. And by doing that side-by-side comparison, it helps my brain sort them a little mm-hmm. bit better. I know for some people that that doesn't work and that you actually have like have to have a dedicated Russian study period or a dedicated Croatian right. study period. Um, so we all learn a little bit differently, but I definitely think that language interference is probably a normal part of the learning process, even when you just learn your first, second language. So if you are only an English speaker and you learn something like, uh, Japanese, you know, some of that Japanese is going to bleed into your English and some of your English is going to bleed into your Japanese unintentionally, but it, it's, it happens. I mean, because it's, it's weird. Um, I had this really weird goal like six months ago. I wanted to learn Brazilian Portuguese. And my aim was because I wanted to have a conversation with Lucas Beatty's language, uh, language group, which Jan thought that was a really great goal. And I said, okay. So I had to crack up at my own goal. So I started learning Brazilian Portuguese. And this is where the bleeding came in. My Italian, which... The level was, uh, you know, beginner, A1, along with the Portuguese. But my, my Spanish was like C1. Uh, I kept getting the three confused. Like whenever I spoke. Certain words, I would have an Italian ending. Certain words, I have a Portuguese ending. Or I would have a Spanish ending. And then after six weeks, I was just like, the hell with this. Oh, my God. What's <laughs> you? I can, and my friends were like, don't do that. Your, your Portuguese is getting better. I'm like, am I going to Brazil anytime soon? No. Do I have, and I, I literally had to sit down and think about that, you know, as far as what my goals were. And um, I said, I'm not going to Brazil anytime soon. I liked what little bit of Portuguese I learned. I'm happy with it. Um, it's not for me. And then I looked at the people that live in my community and the languages that are spoken in my community. And I said, I'll focus on the languages that are around my community. Because I have Chinese people, Taiwanese, Japanese, Korean, Spanish, people who speak French and Russian, Italian, um, Pennsylvania Dutch, Urdu, Hindi, um, Swahili, Lao, um, uh, Kieran, which is from Yanmar, which used to be Burma, um, and Nepali. So all these languages are spoken in Akron. So, oh, and I forgot Arabic. So, I said, okay, I'll pick a few, and these are what I'll focus on. Because I knew I was never going to go outside the United States anytime soon. Why not work on a few languages where, you know, I see people every day, you know, which would make more sense. So I did that. And I don't regret learning what little bit of Portuguese. I mean, and I don't regret the friends I made, you know. I mean, they're still trying to encourage me to keep speaking it, but, but I'm like, uh, I, I just, I didn't, it was a very short term goal for me, per se. I, I, I think my main goal was to get to like a B1 by December in French 
which our mom was at. And um, going to, because um, I started Norwegian last week as far as like getting basic vocabulary. I'm not even done with year one of, on memory yet. But um, I'm actually using a new tool now for, for I'm using, I'm going to be using Pimsleur learn Norwegian um, this week from the library because Michelle Thomas doesn't have Norwegian yet. And so um, I said I will, I will use it to see how I like it in regards to learning. I do understand some Norwegian, um, but um, yeah, I, I found it to be an interesting country and um, what got me interested in that language was um, I had watched The Father-in-Law of Europe. It was a documentary on uh, King Christian IX of Denmark and all his children and their children and so forth and so on and how he married all his kids off to all the different royal families in Europe and, and whatnot. And so one of his relatives um, Prince Carl and his son Prince Alexander, which became Prince Hawking and Prince um, Olaf of the Netherlands, they moved over there in like 1905, became king in, uh, of the Netherlands, and and um, I found the the story of how that took place very interesting, and so um, I said, you know, I want to know more about that that because I I don't. I can speak a little bit of Italian, some basic Dutch, Spanish. I'm pretty decent with my French. I mean, I, I, I can actually read the newspaper. I can read books in French. I can watch the news in French, watch movies and understand it very well. Um, it, it's like a duck to water. Uh, it's really easy for me um, to pick up. However, this was different. And so I said, I want to try this and see how this goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm dipping my feet into um, Norwegian for about a year and see how that goes. And my goal maybe is to at least speak to like at least a B1 level. Now I had a question, like how many, how proficient are you in your languages per se? It depends on the language. Um, I would say that my best languages are Mandarin, Chinese, and French. Okay. And then after that, Croatian. Uh, my Japanese is getting up there because it's one that I've been studying pretty aggressively for just over six months okay. now. Um, my Russian, I have a hard time studying Russian with any consistency. So um, because of that, it the level fluctuates. Um, I wouldn't say that it's very a very strong language for me. Um, Italian and Spanish are languages that I study for specific projects and then don't study for a really long time. Um, so there are ones that I can pick, uh, like brush up really quickly and pick them up if I need them again. But if someone were to ask me to speak them now, it would be pretty rusty. And then um, Korean, of course, is my weakest language because it's something that I only studied for about three months before I had to take a break because my tutor went out of town and I needed to focus on other languages for other projects. Oh, 
Have you watched like any of like the Korean dramas on Netflix? Yeah, I've tried to get into some of them. I'm not really, I don't really watch TV in general. So um, it's hard for me to commit to TV shows. I did find a TV show in Croatian that's on Netflix that I have been watching um, more consistently than I've watched anything else. But I'm going to run out of episodes pretty soon. And after that, I might try to get back into some of the Japanese or Korean TV shows that I was trying to watch. Um, I also did watch a TV show in Japanese called Terrace House. Um, I watched the entirety of the first season, but I haven't gotten into the second or third seasons yet. Um, But when I was watching Korean dramas, one of the ones that I enjoyed was Oh My Ghost, um, because it's about um, a character who works in a restaurant. So they talk about food a lot and you know that I like food. So learning food vocabulary tends to be pretty high on my priority list because, uh, in almost every conversation I have, I probably talk about food at some point. Oh God, I love food. You know, that's another thing I do that's fun. Like I taught myself how to make borscht and Olivier salad. Have you had that yet? No, I haven't. Um, but I found out recently that there is a Russian restaurant not too far away from me. So I need to find a time to get up oh, there. I, I used to live in Orange County. Okay. I lived actually in Orange, right next to Santa Ana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I like to go into Laguna Beach. That was a lot of fun. Mine is the birds because yeah. I'm petrified of birds. And, uh, so yeah, it, at the time I didn't have a dog. It was just me and my my, my collapsible cane. I would take my audio books and I would pack me a lunch and I would catch two buses to go up there. But the transportation was really dirt cheap. It was like a dollar twenty five for an all day pass. I, I'm sure that the the fee has gone up since then. But um, yeah, I lived there for about a year, and then I lived in L.A. for thirteen months. Because I went to film school at the Los Angeles Film School back in 06. And um, I studied um, filmmaking, um, producing, and screenwriting. And I was the only visually impaired person ever to have attended that school. And still, as a matter of fact. But, um, yeah, before that, I got my undergrad from Kent State in theater. I, but I, when I originally went to Kent State, I was a poli sci major. But I uh, didn't know if I was going to go to law school because uh, that was my goal at one point. But then I said, there's enough lawyers in the world. And I really didn't want to be, <laughs> I didn't want to go to school any longer than I had to because I've been going to school for about four. So. I chose theater because I'm more of a people person and I love the dramatic and I've always liked performing in front of people. And um, I chose theater and studied acting and filmmaking in LA and then stayed in California for three years and uh, came back to help my aunt take care of my grandparents on my mother's side Um, until my grandfather passed away five years ago. And then I moved back out the house three years ago. Um, after getting Bono, my guide dog, who's sleep, 
Never mind. No one's not looking at me. Oh. But, um, yeah, I, since I, I come from a theater background, I, I enjoy the whole aspect of, of plays and films and especially watching movies in other languages because being visually impaired and, and couldn't read the subtitles, I always wanted to learn the languages of the movies and the films that I liked so I could understand what they were saying because I wasn't going to always have somebody around and technology at the time was not as advanced as it is today. Um, to read me what was going on. So on the screen. Like I could see what was going on, but I could the details, the small details were the problem for me in the print. So um once technology came out with um being able to read the subtitles in any language as of recently, maybe two years ago. With Apple products, thank God for that. Um, I now am in language heaven. I, I I watch a lot of movies that I have in my own digital collection. Because um, they have to be digital. Otherwise, I, I can't watch. I mean, I can't read the subtitles on like my Blu-ray or DVD. So, um, yeah, like... I, I know this sounds crazy, but I went on a marathon this weekend and watched Top Gun in French with French audio and understood a lot of it. And then I watched The Matrix in French with Norwegian subtitle being read to me at the same time. So, yeah. And then I watched Lord of the Rings, the whole series with Dutch subtitles, which was kind of cool because they only had Dutch, Spanish, and German subtitles, unfortunately, which kind of sucks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm in, like, a treasure troll of, 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 you know, film that I could watch. Like, I want to watch Breathless in French because I, I actually saw that in film school. But because I couldn't read the subtitles and my French wasn't that great at the time, I'm like, uh, I really didn't know what was really going on dialogue-wise because I'm, I'm someone that... I. I love dialogue in the story, per se. So, um, yeah, I I have to say that um, that's another thing about language that I love. You can you can watch like movies and read plays and books from like other uh, countries. Like I'll read Harry Potter. I finally got Harry Potter. In in, in all the languages I was looking for because a friend of mine had all of them in audio. So hold on. Now, now I'm listening to Harry Potter in like Norwegian, Dutch, French, Italian, Swedish, Russian. Uh, he needs to send me the German one. But yes, those are the languages I'm listening. But in digital... Ebook. Someone sent them to me in Romanian, Italian. I bought them in Russian because I finally found them in Russian. Oh, by the way, if you ever want to find Harry Potter in Russian, just go on um, iTunes. Type type in the the Russian equivalent of of Harry Potter, 
and mm-hmm. you will find all of those books and they are cheap the first book is three dollars yeah wow. so and the most expensive book is like six and i think that's like i think that's the fifth book order of the phoenix or the sixth one one of the two so but yes um if you if you plan on reading harry potter like digitally ebook wise um i whatever language you're looking for now french is questionable um because i tried to type in like the goblet of fire in french and it gave me some crazy book i bought and they wound up having to refund me my money but pottermore you can get them all in certain languages that you're looking for um, and they're about eight ninety nine a book digitally. Um, certain things you can find on Amazon, I have found. Um, but uh, a lot of people have been very kind to me and have have sent me stuff because I could never find it. That was another me being visually impaired. Even though I use a Mac and I use voiceover, it's it's hard for me to find. Um, a lot of audio because I listen. I do a lot of listening. Or if it is in an ebook format, when a voiceover can read it to me in French, um, it's very hard. So if you notice, for the past couple of years, I've been like frustrated because I couldn't find anything, and that's why. Because I, if you don't live in Europe, where people can get a lot of of um. You know resources in other languages very quickly as opposed to the u.s i mean i've had people say you live in the u.s why can't you well we don't have access to everything you have access to it's just not that easy um but i'm just curious um what do you listen to like as far as your particular learning style like do you use like Teach Yourself or Aussie or colloquial languages or innovative language or um, um, what else? Michelle Thomas. What? When you're. For listening, I, um, for most of my languages, have used Pimsler. And then whenever I finish whatever Pimsler is available, I use Asimu. And then after Asimil, I try to move on to native materials. So um, I listen to a lot of music. Uh, I try to watch movies and write down what I hear. I'll rewind a bunch of times to get it. And then I'll check the phrases with my tutors to see if I transcribed it correctly and then get the correct phrases if I missed something. Um, And then other than that, I mean, I would say the majority of my listening is probably conversations. Um, I try to meet with tutors for each of my languages once a week or once every other week. Okay. Do you use yeah. like italki? Do you use hello talk? Um, I use italki and um, I've had really good success finding good teachers for each of my languages there. Sometimes it takes me going through a few teachers before I settle on one that I really click with but um I've always found a tutor that I click with so I found it to be a really good platform for me well 
given the fact I'm on a limited budget, I do mine the hard way. I go, <laughs> I live at the library. And I've recommended that to a lot of people who are on a budget and they don't have, like, the money to, like, spend on a lot of language resources. Um, I've recommended, because I use Michelle Thomas, so, like, I actually have Egyptian Arabic, Dutch, French, Japanese, Italian, and Russian. Um, now, of course, I need to get the advanced Japanese and the advanced Italian and the Italian vocabulary builder, and I'll be done with that. I'm just waiting for them to come out with some new material, and quote-unquote, there is a rumor going around that they're supposed to be coming out with something this month, because I guess it's the 50th anniversary of, like, Michelle Thomas starting his language teaching program, even though he's been gone for 13 years. Um, I, I like his format, I guess because I like to speak from day one, but I'm more, I, I, I'm like Dr. Krashen and like Steve Kaufman, I like to really do a lot of listening. So I will sit and listen to something. Well, if it's if it's something where I know I know a lot of the vocabulary already, then it won't take me as long to get to like an A tier. Like I give myself six months for that. Like I'll give myself three months per level, depending on what the language is. Well, for Russian, I've been doing it for almost four years. And I'm lucky to be able to speak at an upper intermediate level. As a matter of fact, my boyfriend who's Russian, uh, and from Russia. I talked to his mother on the phone in Russian for two hours, and she did not speak a lick of English. Zero. That's how I tested how good my Russian was, was by having a conversation with her. And when you're having a conversation with someone's parent, you're going to be able to tell if you actually can speak or not. Depending on how long they're willing to talk to you. And I even got her to laugh, which was amazing because I didn't realize I could actually do that. So in another language. So I was, um, I was really surprised and proud of myself for that because, um, I do a lot of, as you know, a lot of videos, practicing my languages up on Facebook Live, just so I can have someone to talk to, per se, to see if anyone can understand what I'm saying, whether they respond or not. Um, and it makes me accountable as a way of being accountable for whatever languages I'm studying at the moment. So... um because I use, I actually use um, WhatsApp a lot. Um, and I use Facebook Instant Messenger and I use Skype sometimes depending on who I'm talking to. But a lot of times it is Facebook Instant Messenger or I'm actually physically on the phone having conversation. Um, I am going to try Pimsleur for Norwegian and see how I like it. 
Because when I tried it for Russian three years ago, I was bored. I guess because it was so slow. And I- yeah, for me, I don't find it too slow because I do it when I'm driving. And obviously, I want to be able to pay attention and be safe while I'm right. driving. So the pace is just right. And, you know, because I spend two hours in a car right. almost every work day, uh, I, I find that it's a really good use of my time. Whereas if I were to listen to something more intensive, like the Innovative Language podcast or something like that, um, I think it would be too much for me while I'm driving. So I find that the Pimsleur podcasts pair really nicely right. for me for that situation. Right. But to be honest, if it were something else, like if I were sitting at my desk and taking notes, I wouldn't use Pimsleur because I too would find it boring. It's just the way that it pairs with what I'm right. doing. I, I, now, there are things about it that I took from the Russian that was, you know, I still remember. But it was like, oh my God. Like, I felt like I was about to fall asleep. Um, now, do you like to study in the daytime, at night? What's more convenient for you? Um, I don't have a set time that's like my dedicated studying time other than any time that I'm in the car. Um, because like I said, I like to do all of my listening in the car. So I basically just squeeze it in whenever I can. I try to do lessons regularly. Um, so I'll probably, I, I, well, I usually do those during my lunch break. Um, and then, you know, I have set things that I like to try and do every day and then set things that I like to try to do every week. So just whenever I have the time to sit down and do them is when I do them. I don't say, okay, like after dinner, I'm going to study for an hour. That doesn't work for me because I'll almost never do it. But if I find, oh, you know, I've got 15 minutes here. Let me go and take a look at that Korean chapter during that time because it's downtime. I will go and, and do that. And I find that that works for me really well. Okay. Now, do you like reading like, I don't know, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Hunger Games, anything that's like from English to whatever target language just to familiarize yourself with the language a little bit more? Or do you like going for the full Let's do an author from this particular country that I know nothing about. So all of the above. Um, Reading is probably my favorite thing next to language learning. I love reading and I love reading. I'm I'm a pretty voracious reader. Um, I read all sorts of genres. Um, I read in almost all of my languages. Um, So I'll read a variety of things like in Croatian right now, I'm reading a bunch of academic papers uh, written by university professors and students and researchers in Croatian about the Croatian language. In Russian, um, I'm currently reading Game of Thrones. In uh, Japanese, I am reading the manual to my electronic saxophone Uh. in Japanese. Um, in Chinese, I'm reading lots of kids' books because I want to make sure that I can read them seamlessly to my son. So I read them a lot on my own so that when I go to sit down and read them with him, I'm not going to stumble over certain characters. In French, I'll read um, lots of science fiction and fantasy because that would probably be one of my more favorite genres. Um, so I'll read translations, but then I'll also read stuff that are that's originally written by French authors. Right. Um, in Italian, I'm currently reading Steve Kaufman's book on language learning. And in Spanish, I am currently reading um, 
a book by Patrick Rothfuss, which is a fantasy book tra- uh, translated into Spanish. So I'm all over the map with my reading. Um, it, as long as it's something that would interest me, um, regardless of the language, so like something more academic, something history related, something fantasy science fiction related, something um, business productivity related, um, I'm totally a happy camper. <laughs> so I'm, I'll read all sorts of things in each of my languages. And um, I often read with Link. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I don't feel like there's any sort of reading material that's too far out of my grasp because I do have the assistance of Link to do it. Um, there are some books that I do read in physical copy, but I would never do it for a language that I'm not strong in. So I would never try to tackle like a physical book in Korean because there's just no way that would be absolute torture for me. But I read physical books in like French, um, in Croatian and Spanish in, um, what else would I, oh, in Chinese all the time. Um, but so, like I said, with reading, I not very picky with reading and right. Um, and so much so that I even have the language reading challenge, which is, um, it's run, I think it's gone on for three years now and each month has a particular theme and it's a group and you read a book that's within that theme or you can read something else that the rules aren't really, really strict. And I just also started the 30 day reading challenge where the challengers share how many pages or how many words they read per day. And then they do weekly summaries of what they were reading in their language at the right. end of the week. I, because I'm an audio person, well, I do read Braille. I mean, well, I, I know American Braille. I'm certified UEB Braille, Unified English Braille, because they just came out with a, a Braille code for all seven English-speaking countries in the world, so we won't have to be doing back-channeling when we have to translate certain texts or certain books in certain English like if it's British English or American English or whatever, it, because every country had their own code. Australia, New Zealand, Nigeria, um, South Africa, Canada, us, the UK, we all had our different Braille codes. And so there was different punctuation, different spelling. So they said, we need one unified code because this doesn't make any sense because you got blind people all over the place. And they want to be able to read whatever books is over in South Africa or New Zealand or Australia, but you don't want to try to learn the punctuation for that particular country. So why not just have one? So they finally were able to get the United States on board with it. Like we were finally translating all documents, whether it's government documents, it's all UEB, Unified English. Everybody else has their own Braille code. So I, for whatever language I'm learning, I'm going to be tackling that particular code for, in order for me to be able to be proficient in the language from a tactile perspective. So I know Russian Braille. Russian Braille is only the alphabet. Um, but like I said, I suck at writing. Like physically, like I... I'm rather speak. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be learning French Braille, Norwegian Braille, Dutch Braille at some point. Um, and there, there is a book 
like with over 200 braille codes in the world from all the languages. And I actually have a display that's like $3,000. Um, and I can do, um, as long as it's sent to me in that language, written in print in that language. So if you sent me something in Chinese, I would be able to save that document in Chinese to an SD card, either rich text format, HTML, TXT format, and I would be able to put it on the SD card, and I would be able to put the SD card into my display, open up the file, and that particular um, file type, and I would be able to read Chinese, whatever you sent me in Chinese, in Braille from my display. So I have like 17 different languages I can read with my display. Wow. So ranging from Chinese, Japanese, Arabic, and actually it, the, the Braille display reads from right to left in Arabic. So <laughs> yeah, and Uh, trust me, I'm not proficient in any of that yet because I haven't I haven't tackled it. My main goal is to speak right now and be able to understand what people are saying to me. So, I my big thing is I like to do a lot of listening. So if I find things like you, I love history. I like a lot of business stuff and politics vocabulary too. So like for instance, do you watch um, France 24 by chance? No, I don't. Okay. Um, there, it is a free app that you can download, um, and I, you can listen to it in French, Arabic, Spanish, and English. Um, and it gives you news from over there. And I listen to that for like a good hour every day. Mm -hmm. And then I have the French 24 app for like my phone. And, um, I go on YouTube and, um... I, I follow certain people in France and from France um, and have conversations with them orally. And um, so I do that. I, I watch a lot of documentaries, especially about history. And in particular, I love French history, literature, cinema, food. And so my goal is to be able to make a French dish eventually using a recipe in French. So that will be a goal. My end of the year goal, and I'm almost there, to be able to speak at a low intermediate B1 level and to get through Les Miserables in its entirety, entirety in French. That's an impressive goal. Yeah, so um, Liberty Box, I have downloaded Lemus or um, Oh, and my other goal for Russian, because my speaking is that good, even though I do make mistakes on occasion, um, to read by Nar Emir, War and Peace, in Russian. I did watch the entire BBC dot, um, uh, movie that they made last year. I finally watched the entire thing from beginning to end in one day. I couldn't stop watching it. I liked it better than Anna Karenina. <laughs> so I said, um, I wanted, that was a goal of mine. It's 73 hours. 
audio in Russian because I have it um, on a Russian app uh, is to read War and Peace in Russian. Um, if I can do that, uh, <laughs> that that'd be an amazing uh, accomplishment for me. Um, I, I think I accomplished my major goal, which was to be able to have a two-hour conversation with somebody in Russian. I had a two-hour conversation with someone in Spanish from Mexico at the beginning of the year. And I had a headache for two hours after it was over. And I didn't realize I was fluent until after I finished the conversation. Because um, some of the vocabulary I didn't remember. But I was able to get around it by using other vocabulary in Spanish. And um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you have spoken a language and you haven't spoken it in a while and you spoke it for so long that you start to have a migraine head. <laughs> I think that sometimes that happens regardless of how long it's been since I've spoken the language or not. But that was the only language, and I'm dead serious when I say this, where I had a headache. I mean, someone called me from Colombia talking about, Chanel, do you want to speak? Spanish and I was like I had to tell them I had a headache can we talk tomorrow in Spanish and they were like are you alright I'm like no I just got finished talking to somebody on uh, on Skype for two hours and I had to block this person too because it was just terrible like their boyfriend was in the background giving them cues the entire time we were having this conversation mm. and I didn't like it and I didn't like they wanted me to read like stuff from you know, Spanish books, and I don't have any Spanish books, actually. I like to listen to a lot of music. So, in Spanish. I like, that's my favorite thing. I will listen to Shakira, Ricky Martin, Santana, uh, Christina Aguilera, Jennifer Lopez, Pitbull, and Enrique Iglesias. And I've been listening to them for about minus Pitbull, almost 20 years. But I found things within the language that I liked, so I stuck with that. Like, I liked the food, the dancing, and the music. But necessarily, I don't, I'm not, like, the biggest Spanish-speaking person on the face of the planet. Like, I don't like to speak it that much. I think because I was forced to learn it in college, because that was the only language I had at the time that was offered from beginning to end. From 1010 to 2020. And I was not happy about that. Because I wanted to learn French. And I wanted to learn Russian. And um, it wasn't available. Where I was at at the time. So I wound up having to learn it. And like most people who go to school. You mostly learn how to say your likes, dislikes. Where you're from. Who you are. And order some food at the end. After it's all over with. Like you're not like speaking it. Like at a proficient level. The teacher is mostly talking in English instead of Spanish. And you're just like, you're just memorizing for a task. You're not really learning anything, necessarily. That's how I felt about it. Because I lived in Cleveland, but I didn't live on the west side of Cleveland where all the Puerto Ricans were. I lived on the east side of Cleveland. And there was hardly anybody to speak with. So, unless you went to class. And, um, but... I was very good at the grammar. Like understanding the grammar. My vocabulary was 
it was okay. It's not as strong. It wasn't as strong as it is now. But that's because I forced myself to speak it for the most part with other people. But um, yeah, I enjoy actually watching like documentaries in language without any subtitles because I actually want to hear what they're saying. And then, um, but if there's not a language track on a particular movie and I find the, the subtitles in that language I'm looking for, then I'll have voiceover read me the subtitles and I'll get a lot out of it. Like I actually watched Star Trek in Russian with Russian subtitles, which was cool. It was kind of funny, but it was cool. And uh, I actually put the Russian voice on too. For the language, because I have all the languages downloaded on my phone and I, Apple products. So, yeah, I, I have to say that I usually like to study, like early in the morning, like between five thirty to nine. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I, I listen to SBS Radio. Um. I'll listen to all these podcasts, Chris's podcast, Lindsay's podcast, um, Lindsay and Kirsten's podcast, um, Russian Progress. Have you heard of that? Um, Kirsten's podcast, yeah. Um, I, I listen to Russian Progress. That's new. And then, and then I listen to And then I listen to, um, I listen to, um, a lot of other, like, different podcasts that interest me. Like, Italian-wise, I listen to, um, Podcast Italiano, which I enjoy a lot. And, um, I'll listen to Coffee Break Podcast. So, like, I have Coffee Break Polish, Chinese, and French, and Italian. Um, which uh, I like the way that Mark has that set up. It's, it's kind of cool. I, I do eventually want to learn Chinese, but I said I would want to learn it through using Coffee Break Chinese because they break it down a little bit better. And I'm not feeling like I have to try to learn Pinyin. And, and the cool thing about Chinese Braille, though, is that you only have to learn like 50 characters for the code itself. So, but I don't think I'm going to go that far. I, I, I think mostly I, if I do learn Chinese, I might just want to go to like a low intermediate level. I don't think I want to go as far as to try to master it per se. I at least want to have it for like conversational use, if anything. I don't feel like I want to talk about the, the nuclearization of like North Korea in Chinese or you know, the environment and how polluted the air is over in China. I, just, I don't think I want to go that far. So, um, you know, basically have basic conversations for some of the languages. I mean, I, I, I have like another seven languages I kind of want to learn to like A to B1 level for the most part. Uh, I do want to take a crack at Turkish. Um, Polish. Um, I said I wanted to do another Slavic language, so I chose Polish. Mainly because I'm a big 
Polanski fanatic, and I, I followed his films all my life. And I want to actually watch um, Knife in the Water, which was his first directorial film out of film school. And it's in Polish, and I want to be able to understand the whole entire movie. So that's why I want to learn Polish. Plus, I want to make some friends over there and have some decent conversations. And then, um, wait, Polish, Egyptian Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, Swedish, Norwegian, uh, and Turkish, and Turkish. I mean, I, I'm already learning Dutch. And I actually can understand Jan van der Aar when he's speaking Dutch in his, his, his um, YouTube video. Like, I, I have a very high passive learning um, when it comes down to passive, like just listening. I, can, I actually can understand a lot more than I can actively speak it. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, for you personally, do you find that some of the languages that you know is more on a passive end than an active end, or is it a little bit of both? Oh, oh Shannon? Yeah. Oh, uh, passive, like, like when, you're, when you're absorbing the language, are you more a little bit of passive and active learning, or is it like your brain is more one or the other, depending on what degree of the language you know um I don't really do a whole lot of passive learning um I don't find it to be a good use of time so I try to keep as much of it active as possible okay um let me ask you um do you do you plan on stopping at the number of languages that you have and just improving on the ones that you already started to learn or do you plan on growing it past nine? Um, no, I think I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. I don't have any plans to learn any new languages. Something might change, but um, for now, I just want to improve those that I, that I have already spent time with. Okay, well, that's cool. Because, I mean, I know people, they... <laughs> A friend of mine from Russia said, see... You didn't hit the bucks, you know, you want, you want to learn everything. And I'm like, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I, 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 my motto is language learning is a journey, it's a process, and it's not something you need to rush. You know, I believe in taking your time when you're learning a language. As opposed to, okay, I need to cram this in my head three months from now so I can speak at a B1 level knowing that I might get to an A2. I'd rather take my time and enjoy the process and learn more about the culture and, and the people and, you know, not, not just speaking it per se, but, you know, if I were to ever go to Russia... This is what I need to know before I hit the country. Okay, this is what I'm expected to, to know what I'm getting myself into. Whether it's I have to register with the police when I get there, which you have to do. Um, 
you know, um, because they track everybody down and, you know, because of terrorism and all that. And I, I definitely, you know, you don't want to go somewhere to another country, not know some form of the language, even if it's at a basic level, um, because people are very good at scamming people and, you know, taking advantage of foreigners that don't know anything about where they're going, you know, in regards to whatever country they're, they're visiting. And um, so I said, if I ever went somewhere, I would at least want to be able to somewhat blend in in regards to being able to communicate, at least. Um, I might not be able to read the menu, but at least I would be able to order some food. I would be able to get by, you know, maybe ask for directions, you know, certain things that would be prevalent to my, my time in that, that particular country. Um, I was going to ask you, um, do you, do you see yourself like as a role model for like other people that are coming up in the, the language learning community that, you know, are just starting out? Um, that's a really good question. I think, you know, with your linguist and, and stuff like that, my goal is to share some of the process of what I've been doing and, and share some of what works because sometimes when I'm going through the stages to get to that solution, mm -hmm. it takes a really trial and error. I may make another, I may make a lot of mistakes along the way. So by having your linguist and by sharing what I've done and how I got to where I'm at, I'm hoping I can save other people some of the time and some of the pain and some of the mistakes that I went through to get right. there. Um, so just trying to make it easier for the next group of learners coming up after me. Um, so I mean, that that's part of what I'm trying to do, you know, um, to share what I, I know, because, you know, I don't, the one thing that I like about the language learning community community is that it's, it's really not competitive. It's, it's really open. And a lot of people are really willing to share what works for them right. and what they're doing. And, um, I, I just, I think that that's just a really good vibe and I want to do my part, you know, to, to support that. That's awesome. Cause I, I mean, I have to say, like, <laughs> I'm always like, what did she make today? Because I, I look at your food posts and I'm like, that looks good. <laughs> Is there a recipe <laughs> that goes with this? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's so weird because I don't mind taking pictures of what I, what I make and then posting it on Facebook. And people are like, can I come to your house? And I'm like, yeah, okay, you got come to my house money and, and you know, <laughs> do you make me that? Um, <laughs> sure, you got the money, we'll go to the grocery store. Not a problem. <laughs> but yes, I, I have to say, I, I did say this yesterday because I was like really pumped about interviewing you and meeting you. And I said, um, I said, Shannon and Lindsay and, and Kirsten have been very, very supportive of, of <laughs> my process and understanding my process, given the fact that, you know, I'm an auditory learner and I'm low vision. And so 
whenever they they have good advice or whenever they have good um feedback you know i really appreciate that and i, I just want to say that because like it's very hard for me sometimes to feel like i'm accepted in in certain communities given you know the fact that i'm, I'm disabled and i'm visually impaired so and some people don't know how to take that because you know, I've gotten comments from people, well, how can you learn languages if you can't read? And I said, I used to be able to read print. I can no longer read print. But that doesn't mean that um, I can't learn a language. There's more to learning a language than looking at a piece of paper, you know, and reading words on a paper. Um, so there, and my whole point to that person was, how did you learn a language before you learned how to read and write? You learned by listening and repeating what you heard. You didn't have a choice. You didn't know how to read. You didn't know how to write. And before the printing press came, people were telling their stories orally and passing it down from generation to generation. There were other different ways of writing, but at the same time, you know, that was basically the beginning of, of storytelling and, and language. You learned by osmosis. So um, I just want to say thank you for um, welcoming me personally into the language community and, and for all your wonderful advice. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Because it takes a lot to have open mind. And I, I tell people that in the language community all the time. You know, I, I try to have an open mind with people. And I'm very, I come from a very um, eclectic family. So we have like a United Nations in my family. <laughs> so coming from <laughs> like one of my cousins, part Mexican, part Chinese, part black. And the other one's like part white, part black. And German and Irish, and I, I just found out that I have like a quarter Irish in my bloodline on my mother's side, and then we have like 26% um, West African in us. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, so I can learn Swahili. Oh, this is gonna be great because <laughs> that's that, that was the, the, the language that um, they spoke on, on, from that particular part of my ancestry. So I was like, oh, well, that's cool. And, then we have some Native American and whatnot. So I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Um, I come from an eclectic uh, group of people. But I'm the only one in my family that speaks five languages <laughs> so far. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my cousin's always asking me, why are you speaking? Like, why don't you speak English? And someone says she speaks English all day. Let her speak whatever, you know. So... Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much and continue like doing what you do because it, it brings not only language learners, but female language learners into the forefront a lot more. Um, and I enjoyed this conversation. Um, Me too. It, it was like awesome. And my dog is sitting up here following me back and forth. <laughs> um, yeah, my guide dog, Bono, looking at me like, really? You are not going outside. 
No, it's raining. Okay, so. But yes, <laughs> I, I have a yellow Labrador that's five, going on six years old, and he's Bono, of course. And uh, he's looking out at the patio like, can I go outside? No. You cannot go outside, buddy. Mr. Licky List, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I will I eventually my goal maybe next year, I don't know yet. Um I do want to make it to Langfest night um on twenty nineteen if I can make it. I, I gotta get my passport first. But yeah, I I would love to go to Langfest um twenty nineteen. I know I probably wouldn't be able to go to Europe. That's just too expensive. I literally just that's really expensive. And um, but it would be cool if they had another one here in the states. That would be awesome. Or if hmm. we could like, I mean, because there's so many people in the states that are studying languages and speak languages. Why can't we come up with our own? That would be interesting. It would definitely be interesting. It would be a lot of work, though. A lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my show and and um, talk about your language learning. You, you know, the only question I forgot to ask you was how does your language learning... Oh, I forgot. I didn't want to miss this question. How does it affect like your music um i wouldn't say that it really affects it i mean i think part of the reason language learning maybe worked for me is because i had studied music and when you study music there's a certain degree of discipline that you have to have and consistency that you have to have so i was able to apply a lot of that to studying languages so um you know, um, I, well, I guess maybe it has, um, more in the respect that speaking, you know, music is a really global community and speaking other languages has allowed me to have better experiences when I travel to different countries for music. And when there's big music events, you know, I can communicate with more people on their terms at those events. So, um, I mean, as far as relationships and experiences, it has changed music, but maybe not necessarily the music itself. Well, that is totally cool. I studied music all up until I was a senior in high school. I was in choir at alto. And I was lucky to take eight months worth of piano lessons where I got to pay, play the grand piano at the end. <laughs> uh, my, my claim to fame was playing um, I, I Believe I Can Fly perfectly um, for my graduation. Um, at my graduation, I, I got to play I Believe I Can Fly. And um, from high school, and it was two weeks after my mom had passed away, and so I dedicated that performance to her. And um, yeah, like that was the last time I played the piano. <laughs> but I, I'm a big music fanatic. Like I listen to a lot of Josh Groban's Italian stuff, and and I do believe that it actually does help you like learn languages a lot better. In regards to, like, if you're singing songs or, like, I like listening to rap. So I try to find rap in, like, different languages, like Italian or French or something. Or even Russian, which is pretty interesting <laughs> in itself. But, um, yeah, like, I, I 
that's my big thing. I, I love listening to music and um in in certain languages. I wouldn't say every single language. Um but yeah that I'm more on the artistic history side of language side of things. I was never like like Luca or Benny where they study engineer engineering and oh, no. <laughs> I'm lucky to be anyone who use a Mac. I'm not someone that can take a computer apart, put it back together, and tell you, like, some fancy equation or why this went wrong and how to fix it. No. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, and good luck with your Japanese. I, I've, been, I've been listening to you and your videos and that's pretty cool like um arigato sayonara <laughs> um um ジャ、あの、ジャパンフォロフセ、あの、ベトナム、あの、ワ、あの、オレンジ、カリフォルニア、スイスフォルニア、マイナスフォルニア。あの、ディバイ、あの、あ、ガバリン、あの、オイチン